to the Uproom Frisco podcast. To learn more about your Frisco, please visit uproomfrisco.com. All right. Um, greetings from Upper Room India. We're also family, but I get to see this family for the first time. I think this is the first time I'm coming here. So happy new year to all of you. I hope you understand my accent. Sounds like English. <laughs> Good. I'm so happy and excited to be here. It's, I think, the best way to start your new year in the house of the Lord. And I think you two are excited for that. Um, yes, we two are. <laughs> So actually, I'm not supposed to preach today. My husband is going to preach today, and uh, I think I'll let him take all the time. But just before he says, uh, I just want to give a word of encouragement for someone who's sitting over here. Um, I mean, uh, there are people in this church who are pastors, who are worship leaders, who are youth pastors, who are, uh, what do you call the Sunday school kids, the kids? the children's pastor, but I know many of you, or maybe some of you, or maybe at least one of you, is like maybe wondering, sometimes, you know, those titles freak out people who are still confused and are still trying to figure out what is your call in the house of the Lord. And when normally in the church, when they introduce people, oh, meet pastor, I'm pastor, I am the youth pastor, I am the worship leader, I am the kids pastor, I am the prayer set, whatever. And sometimes those titles confuse someone who is still searching the Lord. And today I want to speak to you. When I was a seeker, and uh, my husband was already an evangelist, and he is quite a renowned evangelist, and it was in his peak of his thing, God asked us to start a church. And I was like, that's not happening. That was not even in my uh, accidental list last that I would become a pastor. So when this was coming to us again and again, I want to be a like God was asking us to start a church and be a pastor. I was like, that's never going to happen. Because I had all these excuses of, I don't know anything. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how is it going to happen. And so... My husband just told me once, you don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a worship leader because I can't sing also. <laughs> so you know, what am I going to do in a church? And um, this is for all those who are still trying to figure out what, is, what are they? What does God want them to do? So my husband asked me three things. Can you love people? I said, yes, I can. Can you pray for them? Well, yes, I can. Can you, um, what was the third thing? Love. Yeah, God is always first. Uh, see, yeah, correct. Can you serve people? And I said, yes, I can do that. Maybe if you start with this, there will be a time when you will know what God wants you to do. That's how I started. I didn't know what to do, but this is how I started. And uh, I'm glad that Today when people meet me and they say how I impact their life and how their, life is, their lives are transformed, it actually helps me and encourages me. Uh, so, yeah, another thing, like, you to be in church, do you know how you uh, make the promise of the word come fulfilled? 
because we just celebrated Christmas and one of the promises that Gabriel spoke to Mary and uh, Joseph was that you will have a son and his name will be Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. God not with me, God not with pastor, God not with worship leader, God not with an individual, but God with us. If you want Emmanuel to happen, your presence is equally important, as important it is a pastor's role, a worship leader's role, or whatever. Emmanuel cannot happen without you. Emmanuel cannot happen if you are at home. If Emmanuel has to happen, you have to be here. Because God with us, you all collectively made this promise come true. So over to my husband. Yeah, that was a dangerous motherly advice. <laughs> Thank you so much, Pastor, for this wonderful time that you gave us. Every time I come and I get this opportunity to spend time with the shucks, I tell you one thing. It's like, you know, God refreshes us. They carry such a spirit of joy. And one other thing that I want to tell you is um, that spirit even you all carry with that smile with that greeting when 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 i see you it's evident the lord is doing something supernatural in your life amen, amen. and this morning it's our joy to be with you my wife and i are truly excited and happy to spend this hour with you today and i pray that you know a day will come that where god would open doors for you to come and visit our body in india Amen? Because as we break the bread, you know, all the cultural differences are broken and we are unified as one. Amen? There is no longer Jews or Gentiles. There is no longer male or female. There is no longer rich or poor. There is no longer educated or uneducated. There is no longer any differences in Christ. We all become one body. And this is beautiful when we all come together. Now, body has differences right and and it is difficult sometimes in a in a collective group that um, because when we are together it's different minds and when there are different minds um, it's very easy to become hurt with someone's behavior with someone's words with even if somebody doesn't understand what we want to say it is a hurting feeling you know and so what really happens is devil's agenda is to somehow hurt you and he's not going to hurt you in person he's going to cause your brother to do something which is going to break your heart or he's going to cause your sister to do something which is going to break your heart because of those differences of opinion we hold it so fast in our heart that sometimes those differences of opinion become so strong that i hold on to my opinion and that my brother holds on to his opinion that we forget that we are one body. Now I want to give you a perspective. Just because it is a new year, our behavior doesn't change when it comes to handling differences of opinion. What you felt last year, you will continue to feel this year. As long as you live, your emotions will be the same. And you got to learn how to submit your emotions to the word of God. 
And as you submit your emotions to the word of God, then you begin to really realize, I'm no longer led by my feelings. I'm no longer led by my emotions, but I'm driven by the spirit of the Lord. And the spirit of the Lord is a unifying spirit. Hallelujah. You know, in Genesis chapter 1, when you open Bible in Genesis chapter 1, you'll discover something amazing. In Genesis chapter 1, God created everything, right? But do you know one thing what he did? He created differences. If you want to look into Genesis chapter 1 and title it one word, in my Bible I wrote it down, God created differences before he created human beings. Why? Because without differences, humans cannot survive. Like if you look into what does Bible says, there was everything dark and the Bible says, let there be light. God said, let there be light and there was light. Now imagine God separated light from darkness. What did he do? Create differences. He created day and night. He created sun and moon. What did he do? Differences. He created dry ground out of the waters. What is it? differences. He created all different kinds of life underwater, different kinds of plantation on the earth. And you know, everything that God created in Genesis chapter 1 is differences. And after he finished completing all the differences, then he creates man. And in man also he creates differences, male and female. And we think these differences are so terrific that they ruin my joy. No, my friend, there is a perspective that Bible gives us to handle differences that is actually the reason of your joy. The Bible talks about different seasons, right? If there was only one season, life becomes very difficult. But when there are seasons in your life, you really enjoy and you... If, if there is just one menu, morning, noon, evening, you're just eating the same thing. Would you enjoy? No. Somebody said variety is spice of life. You know, we say that when it comes to clothing, when it comes to everything, but when it comes to difference of opinion in the church, somehow we lose the grit for it. But today I want to encourage you, my brother. As you enter into this new year, make up a decision. And the decision is, it's not my will, it's his will be done. Amen? And as we look into doing his will, I want to draw your attention to one Bible verse. You know, I want to start there. It's um, in Isaiah, chapter 43, verse number 10. <coughs> if we can have it on screen, please, Isaiah 43, 10. Now look at this verse. God says, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. Now why did God choose us? Isaiah describes that for us. Look at what he says. I have chosen that you may, number one thing. Can we all read it together? That you may know me. See, first thing God wants us is to know him. Because if you don't know him, you cannot believe in him. The next thing is if you, that you may know me. And then that, what should that knowing do to me? It should graduate me into believing in him. Right? 
just knowing God is not good enough. One day, a demon said, I know who Paul is and I know who Jesus is. So even demon knew him. But it doesn't matter. If you know Jesus and if demon knows Jesus, what's the difference? The answer is, I go beyond knowing. I go in believing. Amen. Yeah? But then there is another verse in the Bible in James chapter 2, verse number 19. It declares, it says that, you know, you believe in God, you do good. But even demons believe in God and they shudder. They tremble before him. Oh, Lord. I know, demon know, we both know you. Devil knows you, I know you. Devil believes in you, I also believe in you. Lord, what's the difference? The difference is major. You know what's the difference? Devil only believes in him as God Almighty, but he never believes to become like him. There are people who believe in God, but they refuse to become like him. In John chapter 12, verse number 36, Bible says, you believe in light, you do good, but believe to become light. What is he saying? Don't just believe so that you may have light. Believe that you may become light. You know what's the problem with many of the believers is that we believe. Do you believe Bible? Yes. Do you believe the word of God? Yes. When are you going to become the word of God? <laughs> hey, come on, man. What are you saying? Do you believe the gospel? Yes. When are you going to become a gospel? Oh. But here is where our paths are different from Satan. Satan also is a believer, let me tell you. Bible says so. He believes. In book of James, chapter 2, Bible says... You believe in God, you do good. But even demons believe in God. What does it say? Who believes in God? Even the demons. And sometimes, you know, we look at a believer and say, man, he believes in God. But look at the way he talks. Look at the way he walks. Look at the way his life is. Just because you believe doesn't change anything. The change happens when you believe to become. Now listen carefully. Everybody in the world, they believe something. Right? But they don't believe to become. They just believe to receive. A Gentile believes to receive. A blind man comes to Jesus. He is coming to Jesus, not for Jesus. He is coming to Jesus for his healing. Yeah? A leper come to Jesus. He's coming to Jesus for his healing. So many come to Jesus for what he can offer them. Now, what Bible is telling us, don't just come to Jesus for what he can offer you. Come to Jesus so that you may become like him. You see, there is a level of believing. I not only just believe to receive, I believe to become. So when I read how the Son of God lives, I say, God, that's the way I am supposed to live. When I see how the Son of God forgives, that's the way I need to be. When I see how generous the Son of God is, 
That's the way I need to be. You see, many people think they know God. And their grid for knowing God is very different because they, they read all of the Bible and they read the story of Moses, they read the story of Elijah, they read the story of all these big prophets of the Bible, they read the story of Noah and they say, see, I know God, I know his judgments, I know what God can do, I know how pure he is, I know how powerful it is. But you know, Bible says that not all of those stories reveal who Father God is. Old Testament does not reveal who Father God is. The Bible says no one has seen God. Only his begotten revealed who he is. In other words, if you want to really know who God is, you will not find it who God is in all of the Bible. You will only find it in the life of Christ. Jesus is the exact expression of the invisible God. Outside Jesus, there is no revelation of Father God. But for some people, when they read the Bible, Father God is an angry God, hard to please. Jesus is a good guy, always happy with me. Psychologically, they believe like that. And Holy Spirit is floating sometime, depending on his emotion. If he's happy, he will come. If he's not happy, he's grieved. I'm in trouble. <laughs> That's not Christianity. The Bible is very clear. Lord really wants us to know who Father God is. And that's why if we go back to that verse in Isaiah, I want to show you. It says that you not only know me, you not only believe in me, but the third part it says that you may understand me. You see, what God is expecting of us is that we will believe in him, that we will know him, and not only that, we will understand him. There are benefits of knowing God. Bible says, those who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. In Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, Bible says, those who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Let me just give you a word this morning. This year, on the media, you're going to listen that the greatest recession of all times is going to hit America. It will be on your news soon. You will listen on every television, scary news, and they will scare you to death saying the worst, the worst times are coming. And they're going to scare you that it is going to be worse than a pandemic. And financial, economical Turnout is coming. It's a downfalling of all time. Dollar will lose its value. And there'll be all sorts of scary, scary, scary news. You'll be so scared that if you have to take a cup of coffee, you will think 10 times, should I buy it or no? But I have news for you. Let the hell break loose on the planet. Those who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Whole earth had famine, but Joseph was gathering. Come on now. I prophesy 2023, let the world market crash, but the church will rise up in economy. In the name of Jesus, I call it done. 
Let me tell you. Let me tell you something. When you hear the news of economy falling down, get excited because the prophetic word of God is about to come to true. The word says that I am going to take the wealth of the wicked and transfer into hands of the righteous. So it's going to be your time where wealth is going to come and show up to you. Sometimes we don't really understand the nature of wealth. This is not my topic, but I feel Lord wants to speak this to you. Because some of you are, are looking forward for this year with fear in your heart. Knowledge will grow and predictions will grow. But do you know one thing? The Lord is my shepherd. He will lead me to still waters and green pastures. Uh -huh. And when the shepherd is the creator, you don't have to worry. He can take you to the driest place and say, green grass will come up there. <laughs> One day, it was very early in my ministry days, uh, my friend Bobby and I, now Bobby is pastoring in Australia, uh, in, in, in Australia, uh, sorry, in New Zealand, in Auckland, he is, he is pastoring. And during those days, we used to study in college together. And we used to be invited in our city to lead citywide worship in different places. In those days, I was like full-time worshiper. So I would go to different churches. Anytime citywide events are happening, I would either be translating for the speaker or be leading worship. So one of the things that I found in our city was that, you know, that, that evening when we had a great worship evening, amazing, we, we, we packed up our instruments after the meeting. And we were going back home. Now I saw, I saw, you know, everybody blessing the speaker. Nobody was blessing the worship leader. <laughs> and I was inside saying, Lord, what's the matter with you? <laughs> they just preached. I preached the same thing with music. And you know what happened? The pastor came and said to me, you are so anointed. You are such a great blessing. And he hugged me and blessed me and said, see you next day. <laughs> and, and it was very late in the night. I was so hungry. My friend Bobby was so hungry. So by 11.30 at night, we packed up our instrument, put it into an Indian auto. I don't know if you have seen an auto. It's like tuk-tuk. Yeah. yeah, you have seen <laughs> So we, we put up our drum set in it, we put up our keyboard in it, and now uh, we are going with that tuk-tuk. When we move, you know, in the middle of the night on a bridge, we come over a flyover, and suddenly that, uh, the wheel burst of that, of that tuk-tuk. So this driver gets out and he says, you know, I'm going to go get it repaired and come back. You just have to wait here. Now it's middle of the night, like midnight, past 12. We are sitting on a flyover with with no one around. We are just, just both of us sitting on a flyover. And I look up to heaven and I say, God, you fed Elijah when he was hungry with ravens, but now it's night, even ravens are sleeping. <laughs> and this pastor didn't give us any money. And we don't have money and I'm hungry. I don't know, I need food. I just said that I don't know I need food. And from heaven, this big mango drops between Bobby and I. <laughs> On a flyover. No trees around. It's a flyover. It's a concrete place. And a huge mango midnight drops between us. 
And we both, I mean, we were sitting close. And he just drops between us. We got jacked. What happened? And there's a mango. Ripe. And we ate the mango and we were so happy. Wow. I always say that our forefathers ate manna. We ate mango. <laughs> Praise God. What I mean to say is, God does not need a mango tree to give you a mango. He can cause the air to drop the mango for you. He is the one who can reap from where he did not sow. Amen? So don't be scared of the times ahead. Times don't define the Son of God. Son of God defines the times. Amen? You are the Son of God. You are the child of God. Bible says to Abraham, God promised, said, For you I will cause rivers to flow in desert land. Amen? Amen. Look to someone and say, For you. If God could do it for an Old Testament guy, if God could do it for an old covenant guy, under the law, for his chosen people, how much he do for his own children? Yes. If chosen people had this privilege that I will allow rivers to come into desert land, how about his own kids? Hey, I tell you, if angels have to bring your provision, they will show up in your home. You don't enter 2023 with fear, enter with joy. I tell you, it's going to be a greatest year for the church. Because when people will not, like Joseph, church is going to emerge. When, you know, because we're going to supply other people's need. We're going to supply other people's need. In midst of crisis, because these hands were never to feed our own self. These hands were to meet other people's needs. Amen? He said already about us, look to bird, they don't sow, they don't reap. Their father gives them, will he not give it to you? So our life is not really dependent on our circumstances. Our life is dependent on our father's faithfulness. Amen? So live in that assurance that God is my provider and he's going to provide me. Therefore, it is important not just to believe, not just to, to know him, not just to believe, but also to understand him. Because if you understand his heart, you would know one thing, more than you need your provision, he needs to provide for you. We sometimes think, Daddy, I need you to meet my need. Daddy says, you have no idea. To meet your need is my need. Because if I don't meet your need, I'm restless. How many of you are mothers here? We all are adults here, so I'm going to tell you something very personal. I married this lady in two, 2011. Uh, you know, uh, when we got married in 2000, from then, I saw when she became pregnant, her body started showing some changes. Right? And then when our son was born, something happened to her body. That her body started producing milk. And I had known this lady for so many years, it never happened. <laughs> I said, whoa. And that became a revelation to me. It became a revelation. One day I came home and I saw she was crying. I said, what happens? She says, my breasts are full of milk and our son is not drinking. And it's hurting. We went to doctor. Doctor says, we have to, we have to, you know, 
take the milk out. And that day Lord spoke to me. He said, son, do you know one thing? It hurts me when you don't believe me and you don't receive from me. Because my breasts are full to provide for you. He is. He is. He is. Never forget. He is. Our God is not he was. Our God is not he will be. Our God is I am that I am. It's a present continuous tense. He is. Amen. So, so hold on to that and walk every day. Walk by faith in Jesus name. Know and understand him. Now when it comes to understanding him. You know I want you to, to come in a journey with me in the word of God. And I really feel that as God opens our understanding to understand his heart concerning his ways and his works, our lives will never be the same again. Amen? Amen. So I want to tell you, many people, they live in the house of the father, but they never become like father. You know, like if you study the Bible in Luke chapter 15, you find prodigal son story. Every one of us knows. Yeah? I want to talk about the older brother of the prodigal son. The Bible declares that the older brother never left the house of the father, but he never became like father. When the younger brother came back, father rejoiced, servant rejoiced. Everybody in the house were rejoicing. There was a party going on. Only one person was upset. Who was he? The older brother. And why was he upset? Come on. Why was he upset? He was upset. He told his father, you know, this guy, he ruined up everything and you're still favoring him and you never gave me anything. But that's not true. If you read Luke 15 carefully, the Bible says that the younger one came and asked for his portion. God, the father divided their portions between them. It's very clear in the Bible that God did not just give the portion to the younger one. He gave the portion to both of them. Yeah? The Bible says, let's, let's just go to Luke 15. And I want to show you in the scripture. There's this one small word there. He divided portion to them. Verse number one onwards we will read. <coughs> Forgive my cough. <coughs> Yeah, let's just, let's just keep rolling from, from where the prodigal son comes in. <clears throat> One second. Thank you. In Luke chapter 15, uh, <clears throat> come to verse number 11. And let's look into verse number 11 onwards. Now he said, there was a man who had two sons. Keep going. And the younger of them said to his father, father... Give me the share of the property that is coming to me. The younger one came and asked for the portion. But look at what father did. And he divided his property between. What does that mean? He gave to both of them. But if you fast forward the story, you would read something here. You know, when you see father God talking to the older son. You would see. Um, verse number 25 onwards 
See, I will show you something here. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf. Thank God for those kind of servants who can exaggerate things. He said, your father killed the fattened Anyway, because of because he has received him back safe and sound. Now what happens? Verse number 28. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. Wow. Think about it. He refused to go in. And what happens? His father comes out. Isn't it amazing that the father is, he knows how to deal with the offended one. When the offended one said, I'm not going to go. Father says, okay, I will come to you. That's why I'm saying that our daddy has a need for us. If he doesn't provide for us, it hurts him. If he doesn't love us, it hurts him. Our well-being pleases him. See what happens. Next verse. But he answered his father, look, this many years I've served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never give me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. What's wrong with this guy? Daddy gave a whole junk of portion of his wealth divided between two. And what is he stuck with? One goat. There's some people like that. They never see the blessings in their life that God has given. They are fixated over that one thing. You didn't give me. You gave him. You gave Pastor Jeremy. You gave that person. You didn't give me. What's wrong? Open your eyes and see how many things God has given to you. But devil wants us to forget about everything that daddy did and just focus on what you think others have and you don't have. This older brother had a problem. The problem was he was not gazing his father. He was gazing, hmm, he has that, he has that. I don't have. There is a spirit of comparison that destroys his joy of being in the house. There are people who suffer this syndrome it's comparison syndrome. You come into the house of the Lord and yet your eyes is about who is blessed. So if you hear somebody's testimony rather than rejoicing, you have a problem. You have a problem because God has been good to somebody else. It's like, you know, those, those people in the field, they come to this master and they said, you know, we labored whole day and you, you gave us the wages exactly same as you gave these guys who just labored for last, last hour. He said, man, it's my money, whatever I do, what's your problem? <laughs> Did I rob you of anything that we agreed upon? You know, let's not have that kind of servant which are fixed on their wages. Let's become sons who own what father owns. Amen. Amen? In this 2023, make a resolution. I'm not going to live like a son. I'm going to live like a father because God is calling us to believe to become. He's not just calling us to. Did he believe in his daddy? Yes. But did he become like his daddy? No. And sometimes in church, we are full of this kind of people. There are two kinds of people who flood the church. One, those who mess up everything and come back. Another one, those who think that everything is right with them and they keep finding fault with others. And these two are part of the same family. And my encouragement to both of them is we are called to be 
like him who loves us. Your focus should be on the person of Christ. He was with the Father, but never became like Father. Yeah? God is calling us. On the flip side, look at Jesus, our elder brother. You know, when one sinner comes, there is rejoicing in heaven. The Bible declares something like the party going on when this guy comes back. The party in the house of God is happening. But look at what Jesus does. You know, Jesus pays the price for that sinner to come back home. It's Jesus who goes after the lost brother to bring him back. And he's not ashamed to call us brothers, Bible says. Hallelujah. You know, it's so beautiful to know the love of Jesus is different. We have a different elder brother and he is not ashamed of us. His blood speaks better things than that of Abel. Isn't it that his, his life is sold out for our well-being? Why? Because he and father are one. He who has seen me, he says, has seen the Father. So when you see the nature of the Father God and the nature of the Son Jesus is exactly the same. Yes. It's not like the prodigal son's story and his older brother's story. Our brother is different. Jesus is different. Amen. He is not saying, I'm not coming to heaven if you're bringing them. <laughs> He's saying, Father, it's my desire where I live, they may live also. He's different. And he's inviting us. Would you imitate him? Would you become like him? Yes, there will be people who will hurt you. Yes, there will be people who will, be, who will think differently, who will do things, who will damage your reputation. It will be expensive. But that's what grace is all about. Grace is not for the good people. It is for the bad people. And grace changes their life. My friend, let me tell you something. Bible says something very crazy about grace. The Bible says, by grace of God, Jesus experienced death. Do you know there is an element in grace that you can experience death gracefully? And I pray the church will be marked with that grace. That when somebody hurts me, I'll be willing to die, but never come back even on that person. That I will become that person that, Lord, I gracefully die daily. No longer I live, but Christ lives in me. So the response to the people, those who hurt me, is not coming from my emotions. It is coming from the character of Jesus. May this 2023 be marked in growing in the character of our Father. In the character of Jesus Christ, my prayer is, Lord, let Frisco be known for character of Christ. Let people travel from the world to this body to know who Jesus is. Not just in the knowledge, not just in believing, but in experiencing the character. Not just being goody-goody, hey, smiley. No, 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 no. When, when really tough time happens, do we still have the holy huddle in its place? Do we still look beyond our mistakes and say, you know what? You still loved my brother. I don't fully agree. Bible says those who are mature should carry the weight of those who are immature. In kingdom of God, it is different. You know, the, the leader is not somebody who stands on other people's shoulder. The leader is somebody who can make other people stand on his shoulder. 
And it is important for us to understand that if we want to be mature in the kingdom of God, we need to bear with the weaknesses of other people. Don't, don't get troubled with the weakness. You know, mom and dad never get tired of changing diapers. Well, others hate to do that. No matter how stinky that condition is, but mom and dad are different to clean up their baby. Nobody takes their baby and throws him into anywhere. Just because the baby created mess. No. And it's a long marathon because baby don't change on next day. I mean, today you clean them, after two hours they're again on the same spot. You clean them again, again they are on the same spot. And, you, and, and pastorship is the same. I say, God, what's wrong with these people? They keep doing this. Lord said, that's what I keep doing with you. <laughs> My friend, you want to be a leader in the house of the Lord. Don't be a leader. Be a nursing mother. Yeah. Paul said, we were among you like a nursing mother. We not only preached you the gospel, but we laid our life for you because you had become dear to us. There is a different motivation to serve in the body of Christ. And the motivation is not position. Motivation is other person's well-being at my cost. My friend, I want you to know he was in the house of the father, never left the house of the father, but never became like a father. We have a different role model. It's Jesus. Let me take you to another example of Old Testament. And this example is about Jonah, the great prophet. You know, he was such a mighty prophet in Old Testament. The first one to get a revelation of the gospel for the Gentiles. You know, there was no other prophet in the Old Testament who was sent to Gentiles as Jonah. Because in the Old Testament, all the covenants only belong to whom? To Jews. But yet Jonah became a foreign missionary to the city of Nineveh. And he goes there reluctantly. We all know the story, right? And now when he preaches the gospel, the Bible declares that the whole city repents, including the animals started fasting. Now tell me one thing. When you have that kind of result, where the whole city repents, and there is the greatest revival of the history in the world, should you be happy or should you be sad? Tell me. I mean, think about it. You've gone in the boat. You were thrown in the water. The whale takes you in. And then after three days, you are out in the shore. And, and there, there is such drama. But after all of this, the guy is not happy. He's saying, he's upset. I know you're going to save them. Look at the heteracy this Jewish prophet had concerning Gentiles. He's not happy that God is saving them. Why should you save them? I know you will save them. That's why I didn't want it to go. I know you are coming. You have the revelation. <laughs> but then what's the problem? Hey, I just believe in your revelation, but I don't become that revelation. Hey. Jonah had an issue. I know you are compassionate. Enjoy that compassionate, but I don't have to become compassionate. I am waiting for judgment of God to come upon them. He's sitting there looking at, now the fire will come and it's going to destroy them. So what God does, and he's sitting on the heat. You know, God causes a tree to grow. And he's thinking, see, I am right. That's why God gave me this favor. 
the moment he thinks that a small worm comes and eat up the whole thing. <laughs> now he's upset. What, what happened to this? Jonah, you care for this plant that you didn't plant it. Should I not care for 120,000 that I created in my own image? When are you going to really see and understand my heart? When are you going to understand my heart, Jonah? And there's this beautiful conversation God and Jonah is having. God is saying, Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? And he's still angry. My friend, God wants to save people and God wants to use you. Jonah did not have faith. He did not have compassion, yet God used him. You know, just because God used him is not the mark that he is walking right with God. Just because God is doing glorious things through you and maybe causing you to, to be the reason of the greatest revival in your region, that doesn't guarantee that your heart is in sync with him. Yes. Just because great things are happening through I mean, I mean God can use a donkey, man. So don't, don't ever allow the success of your ministry to get in your head. It is never about the success of your ministry. It's about the condition of your heart. Are you becoming like father? Jonah was in ministry. He was the prophet. I mean, he was such a great prophet that even till today, people name their children after him. Thousands of years later, people have not forgotten this man. He was such a great man. And yet the heart condition was so different than the one who called him. My friend, this morning there is a nudge on your heart. The Lord is saying, would you allow Holy Spirit to scan your heart and tell you, can you realign your heart? Let it become compassionate the way it is. The one who called you is compassionate, is slow to anger, is merciful. When are you and I going to be like that? God is calling us to become that. There is a third example in the Bible. And this example is, again, we have celebrated these examples. You know, this example is of prophet Elijah. If you study the Bible in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse number 23 to 25, you find that prophet Elijah is crossing through a city and there are children and men who started teasing him saying, Baldy, 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 Baldy. And when they begin to tease him, Baldy, Baldy, you know what this prophet does? He calls for a she-bear and she kills all these children. Now tell me one thing, my friend. Remove Elijah, Elijah from that place and put up Jesus on that place. And imagine Jesus is walking through Frisco and all the children begin to tease him. Baldy, baldy, baldy. How many of you think that Jesus is going to call she-bears and kill them? Do you think that? See, every time you insert Jesus in a story and you find the results change, you have a reason to doubt that story. It's not for you to imitate. It's just for you to, to, to you know, um, for your reference. It's for you not to apply. It is just for your knowledge that this is what happened. You should not do that. <laughs> but many times you say, I have a biblical reference. Touch not the anointed of the Lord. If you touch the anointed, this is what's going to happen. See what happened. They touched the anointing. Do anything. God is never going to tolerate if you touch the anointing. Very good, man. What Bible do you read? The, the most anointed was crucified. They, they spat on his face 
and the result was different. Here, they just spoke against him, and death came. There, they killed him, and life came. Who are you following? Are you a disciple of the prophet, or are you a disciple of Jesus? If you're a disciple of Jesus, let not your anointing drive you. Let his heart drive you. I've seen much damage in the church does not happen by devil. Listen carefully. Much damage in the church does not happen by devil. It happens by anointed mouth when they speak things against their brother outside the will of God. One day a man of God called my wife and I and he said, Hey, I want you to know God told me something to tell you. I said, What is it? He's my spiritual father. His name is Rambabu. He called me and he said to my wife and I, I want you guys to pray. Pray, Lord, we cancel every word spoken against our life from anointed mouths outside your will. <coughs> Excuse me. Anointed mouths can ruin lives. The same guy, Elisha, he was so anointed that he tells to the king, why did you tear your clothes? Send Naaman to me and he will know there is a prophet in this land. And in 2 Kings chapter 5, the Bible says, Naaman comes at the, at the, at the door of, Elisha, of Elisha and when he stands there, you know, he says, go dip yourself seven times and you'll be, your skin will be like a baby. We find eventually he goes and his skin is cleared like baby. What a miracle, imagine. Leprosy completely healed. And then something happens. His servant makes a mistake. He's just greedy. He just goes, speaks a lie, gathers some stuff for himself, go, hits it, and comes back and stands near the man of God. The moment he comes to the man of God, this is what the prophet says. He says to him, you can read this later in 2 Kings chapter 5. He says, where have you been? He says, was not my spirit with you when you went? Is this time to gather money? Is this time to gather, you know, clothes and all? And then suddenly, you know what he said? He said, the leprosy of Naaman will cling to you and your children forever. Now many have taken, many preachers and anointed and famous ministers have taken this scripture passage and said, hey, listen. In the kingdom of God, if you live a compromised life, you know, this is what's going to happen in your life. And they scared people to death so much that people don't even want to be part of that kingdom. Because one mistake happened, you're dead, you're gone, man. And what's the fault of his children? What's the fault of Naaman's children? But now they are also leprous. The Bible says he became instantly was struck with, with, with this leprosy and left and went into wilderness. My friend, remove the prophet Elisha from there and put Jesus Christ in the story and see what happens. Gehazi has done exactly the same thing that he did when prophet was there, Right? And he comes back and says, how many of you think that Jesus will look at him and say, because what you have done, leprosy will come upon you and your children. Do you think Jesus would react that way? Huh? No? 
know he won't react. Why? Because there was Judas in his team who, was, who would rob from the ministry money. And Jesus never reacted to him that way. Naaman did it once. Judas did it always. And he never reacted that way. Whose disciple are you? And yet we have celebrated this character so much that we have forgotten that we are called to live a different lifestyle. There's another scripture I want to show you. In Luke chapter 9 verse number 54, this is with the disciples of Jesus Christ. Let's see, in Luke chapter 9 verse number 54, and when his disciples James and John saw it, what did they see? You know, the Bible declares that, you know, they were going through Samaria, and when they were going through Samaria, all the Samaritans, when they discovered that Jesus is going to go from there to Judea, they started shutting their doors for Jesus, and nobody wanted Jesus to stay in their city. It's the same place where Samaritan women gathered the whole city and they celebrated Jesus. Now this time, the city that celebrated him is shutting the door for him. Sometimes in ministry it happens. People who were your best of the buddies will leave you and would want nothing to do with you. Why? Just because of offense. What was the offense? You didn't do anything wrong with them. The offense was you are going to go to Jews and that's why we don't want you to choose between Jews and us. If you're going to go to Jews... We want to shut our doors to you. And they just shut the door for Jesus. And can we have that verse again on the screen, please? See what it says. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume? Praise God. Listen, whenever you are angry, before you take an action, go to Jesus and talk about it. These guys were really angry at Samaritans. They wanted to destroy them. In, in one of the translations it says, do you want us to call fire from heaven as Elijah did? So they had a biblical reference as well. You know, many people can take out biblical passages and interpret the way they want to suit their emotions. But biblical references are not to feed your emotions. It is actually to flow the life of father in another person's life through you. Even if it is at the expense of your death. That's what Christian life is all about. Look at what he says. Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Look at what Jesus says. Next verse. And he turned and rebuked them. Why? They shut the door on Jesus and his response is different. And his disciples' response is different. Sometimes some preacher gets so mad just because people didn't respond to the altar call. I'm never going to go to that church. Man, that's a dead church. God anointed you to raise the dead, man. If you're going to go away from the dead, well, what's your job? I prayed for the sick and nobody got healed. I'm not going to pray. What? You cause your experience to define your walk. But Christ wants his life to define our walk. Jesus never allows his experience to define his talk or his walk. It's incredible. After people have done this to him, next chapter, you know what he says? He includes them in his story and he gives a story of good Samaritan. 
Tell me, how many of you would speak good about Samaritans if they have shut the door on you? They shut the door on him, and next day, next public message he's giving, he's saying, a Levite came, he didn't do anything. A priest came, he didn't do anything. But a good Samaritan came. God, why are you calling Samaritan good? They just were mean to you. The answer is, Jesus is demonstrating his disciple, you don't live by experience, you live by the word of God. My friend, I want to encourage you in 2023, make a solemn choice. I'm not going to be defined by my experiences. I'm going to be defined by the word of God. My choices will be determined by the power of the character of Christ and not by my feelings and emotions. Amen? Amen. Let's look at one more scripture passage. And this is amazing. If you come with me to Acts chapter 5, I want to show you something. In Acts chapter 5, and I pray that Holy Spirit opens your eyes of understanding to see something great here. Uh, let's come to Acts chapter 5, verse number 1 onwards. <clears throat> We're going to read. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now hold on with me. First of all, my question to you, be genuine in answering it. Is it wrong to have properties? Yes or no? Is it wrong to sell your own property? Is it wrong to share how much you sold your property for with your spouse? Is it wrong to keep some portion of the proceeds of that for your own self? Is it wrong to give to the church? If nothing is wrong... What happens? Watch the next verse. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? Question. Who did the land belong to? Can you be louder? Ananias. Is it wrong to have the land? Is it wrong to sell your own property? Is it wrong to have the money for your own self from what you sold? What's wrong with Peter then? Peter suddenly says, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? I mean, did he lie? Now let's read what it says that you kept... While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came upon all who heard of it. Next thing. And a young man, the young man rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Next verse. After an interval for about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Then Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. And Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried you, your husband, are at the door and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. 
When the young man came in, they found her dead and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And a great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Now this chapter is very, very celebrated in the church. All for the wrong reasons. Now let me give you a different take on this chapter. Remove Peter, the apostle, and place Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now think, Ananias has done exactly what he has done. How many of you think Ananias would die? Huh? Your silence tells me, your nodding tells me, Ananias won't die, right? Hmm? How many of you think that his wife would die? If Jesus is there, even if they are dead, he will raise them up. Right? If by putting Jesus, the story ends differently, then we have a reason to doubt that story. Now think with me. What went wrong in this story? So let's dissect this scripture passage again from verse number one onwards. I want to, I, you have seen, we have just read the story. Now please understand. Ananias sells the land. He wants to come and give something as an offering to the church. And he wants to keep something for himself. And he did that. Now when he comes and puts the money at the feet of Jesus, what's the first question Peter asked? Ananias, is this what you sold the land for? No question, Peter. Why are you bothered about how much he sold for? It was his land, whatever he sold for, whatever offering he's giving, be, be grateful for what, what he's giving. He's learning to imitate Barnabas. Barnabas earlier did that. Now he is doing it. It's great that, that they are growing in generosity. Be happy with what they're doing. What's your problem? Why do you want to know how much they sold it for? Sold it for. Sometimes as a pastor, as a leader, we cross our limits. Now imagine Peter was not an ordinary guy. He was a great guy. One message 3,000 came to the Lord. Second message, 5,000 came to the Lord. I mean, he was the leader of all the 12 other apostles, all the 11 other apostles. And, and God has elevated him so much that even his shadows were healing people. So he had a name and a reputation, and now he's sitting like Mr. Moses in the whole congregation. And now when they came and brought the money at the feet of apostle, guess what is he saying? Is this the amount you sold it for? That tells me Peter's heart is not in man. His heart is in money. He's more concerned about the money than the life. And guess what happens? He said, yeah, this much. He said, how is it that you spoke a lie to Holy Spirit? You did not lie to man. You lied to God. Now, when an eye somewhere knows this one thing, if you commit sin against Holy Spirit, that will not be forgiven. And maybe he got so shocked, he got heart attack, he died. Now, tell me one thing. If somebody in your congregation dies, Pastor Jeremy, would you at least have courtesy to, inv to inform his wife? Yes. Huh? Yes. You sure? Yes. You have a good pastor, better than Peter. <laughs> Praise God. But look at Peter, the high apostle. 
he thinks it's not even important to let the wife know that she has become a widow. And so what he does, he says the young boys, take him away and bury him. No need to inform no relatives, no need to tell anybody. I am the boss here, just take him away. I don't want anybody to do. Some people are so focused on holiness that they forget the life. For them, right and wrong is more important than life and death. Never become a leader who is so legalistic that you kill your people. Peter is suffering that kind of problem, right or wrong. You know, everything has to be the way I think it needs to be. And then there is a problem. There is no grace in it. There's no grace in it. You know what happens? They bury. After some time, this poor lady comes, Fahira comes. Now tell me one thing. If you are a pastor and you know that this lady just lost her husband an hour ago, and she comes into the church, you see her for the first time as a pastor, and you know she just lost her husband an hour ago, what would you say to that woman? What do you think you would say? Would you talk about money? Or would you be compassionate towards the woman who lost her husband? Even an unbeliever would be on compassion ground that day. But look at this man of God, the apostle. He doesn't care. All his focus is about, hey, Sapphira, did you sell the land for so much? He said, yeah. So what's the matter with you? You both have agreed to lie to God. Listen, those who have buried your husband are on their way, and they will bury you too. The moment she hears that the judgment has come, she dies out of heart attack. We don't know what happened, but she dies. Tell me one thing, if Jesus was there and she got to know, and Jesus got, gets to know that this lady has lost her husband an hour ago, do you think he will talk about money? Huh? What do you think he will talk about? <coughs> He's compassionate, right? He will become comforter for her. One day he saw a mother taking the dead body of her son on the road and what does Bible say? He stopped them. Nobody prayed. He stopped and he raised the dead and sent them back to their village. My friend, this is the one who goes out to wipe the tears of people. His purpose is to wipe the tears of people. Whether they are right or wrong, it doesn't matter. He doesn't change his jurisdiction based on what people do. His jurisdiction is based on his nature, which comes from his father. My friend, I want to encourage you. What Peter did. Now somebody might say, Pastor, it's a good story that you're saying, but then why did, you, why did they die? Is it not that God killed them? Let me tell you something. If you study Bible carefully, you will discover something. <clears throat> Let me use an example. Can I have uh, two volunteers come up, please? Any, any two, two guys, please come, come forward. Okay. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> Pastor Jamie, would you come, please? Okay. Now, now, think about it. This is, this is Apostle Peter sitting here. Sit down, sit down, please. Thank you. Okay. This is Ananias who comes. 
Who is he? Ananias, he came. Okay, and this, forgive me, but this is Satan. <laughs> Just for now. Okay. Peter diagnosed thinking, saying, Ananias, Satan filled you completely. So what did Peter look at Ananias and said? Satan filled you. And what happened? Ananias dies. Now let me take you back a few chapters in the gospel. And I want to show you one day, here is Jesus. This is, who is this? Jesus. Now this is Peter. Who is he? Peter. And he is still Satan, right? Now watch something. Now watch something. Jesus is talking about how he is going to die on the cross in Jerusalem. And first Jesus asked the question, who do men say I am? And Peter answered, you know, saying, you're the son of God. And Jesus said, hey, Father revealed it to you. Immediately after that, Jesus begins to talk about the death. Jesus is going to die. And he says, Peter says, far it be from you, Lord. And Jesus realizes it's not Peter. Who is he? Satan is speaking through Peter. Jesus realizes that. And you know what Jesus said? When, when Peter said, far it be from you, Lord, his, he didn't talk to Peter. He talked to Satan. He said, would you stand up like this? He said, get behind me, Satan. Now imagine, Satan was here. Okay. Now he is talking. He's saying, far it be from you, O Lord. You're not going to die like this. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Now what happens? Jesus comes between Peter and Satan. That's why Peter is alive. Hey. Do you see that, my friend? Peter had a reference how Jesus dealt with him when Satan has filled him. But you know, now, what has happened? Now, Peter is in authority. Satan has filled Ananias. He sees exactly the same. He diagnosed it correctly. Satan filled you. But the line of treatment is different. You see? Rather than saying, Satan, leave Ananias. I give you the authority. Whatever you bind will be bound. Whatever you lose will be loose. He had the, he had the authority. Not only that, in John chapter 20, Bible says after resurrection, Jesus came to all his apostles and he breathed upon them Holy Spirit and he said, receive Holy Spirit. And when he breathed upon them and said, receive Holy Spirit, the next thing Jesus says to them is this, Whoever you forgive will be forgiven. Whoever you do not forgive will not be forgiven. Let's, let's just read that scripture passage. In, uh, uh, come, come with me to John chapter 20. <coughs> John chapter 20. And verse number 22 and 23. See what Bible says. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And then what happens? 
If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is. You see the authority God gave to apostles? What was the authority? If you forgive, they will be forgiven. If you don't forgive, they will not be forgiven. Now Peter had the opportunity to use this trump card. He could have forgiven and Ananias would still stay. But Peter didn't do that. My friend, Jesus dealt it differently. Please be seated. Jesus, Jesus dealt it differently. When God exalts you on the leadership position, are you going to be like Peter? Are you going to be like Jonah? Are you going to be like Elijah? Are you going to be like the older brother of the prodigal son? Or are you going to be like the one who calls you his own? Whose example do you want to follow? In this year, 2023, make a solemn resolution in your heart. Lord, I will imitate you. I'll follow you even when it hurts me. Even when it hurts me. My friend, I want to tell you something beautiful. God is looking for sons, not for leaders. Like this. You know what happened to Peter after that? Till that chapter, chapter 5, Peter was the head of the church. After that, he was replaced and James became the head of the church. You don't find Peter head after that. Now think about the same James and John and Peter. James and John said, no, let the fire come down. Peter killed them. Look at, they all had an ugly start. But how Holy Spirit works in their life is incredible. It's incredible. Now James comes up with a message. He who does not know how to tame his tongue, he says, He's talking about tongue, taming your tongue. He's saying the perfect man is the one who knows how to tame his tongue. James, where did you get this revelation? He said, oh man, I was loose with my tongue. I wanted fire to come on Samaritans. But the Lord saved me. He rebuked me. Holy Spirit matured me. And today I want to say, let not bad water and good water come out of the same source. The blessing and curse don't come out of the same source. We are called to live differently. Now James' message has changed. Amen. Think about this John who used to lean at the heart of Jesus. But look at his heart. I want to call fire, Lord, to destroy them. Sometimes you can become so passionate in your love and pursuit of God that you forget to be compassionate to brother. Listen, my friend. You know what Bible declares here? Bible is very clear. John's message is very clear. He says, he who says who loves God and hates his brother is a liar. Think about the change in John's own life. What a change. What a change. And Peter goes on to write, we have been given the divine nature of God. By his promises, we have become the partaker of the divine nature of God. And go on reading the list. You know, today, because of the lack of time, we are not going into that scripture passage. But Bible talks about the change of character. He said, put goodness to your faith. Ha ha, Peter, what happened? He said, man, Holy Spirit changed me. Paul, 
Once Paul said this, you know, in his first letter that Paul writes, he says, I have been with those 12 and they did not benefit me, but I benefited them. What is Paul really saying? Man, these 12 were with Jesus. They have no, I have no idea. I am better than them. Second letter Paul writes, he says, you know what? I am not worthy to be called. I am not worthy to be called the saint. Huh. Something happened, man. Just now you were saying that you were with them and they didn't benefit you. You benefited them. You were greater for them. And now second letter you write and you say, I'm not worthy to be saint. Third letter you say, I'm not worthy to be, you know, he says, in fact, his third letter he writes, he says this, Jesus Christ came to die for sinner and I'm the chief sinner. Huh? From that, you can hear that you're the chief sinner. That's what Holy Spirit does in intimacy. You will lose grip on you and find your grip on him. My prayer is what Christ did with his apostles that he would do with you and I. That our life will never be the same again. That we will become like Jesus. You think this Elijah was so crazy that, you know, his life was so, I mean, so different that he caused leprosy to come to his his disciple, towards the end of his life, we find even when he died through his bones, God raised up dead bodies. What I want to tell you is God will not leave you in that condition just because you make mistakes. In leadership, if you have made mistakes, don't worry about it because God is coming and he's still maturing you. God is not giving up on you just because you made mistakes. I made a lot of mistakes. God doesn't give up on us, but he gently teaches us with his word, with his spirit. My prayer is this year, commit yourself to follow Jesus Christ. Amen? And I want to leave you with this message and encouragement that our role model is Jesus and no one else. If you, if you make any apostle your role model, you're surely to, to go your own tangent, but make Jesus your role model. Amen? When you make Jesus your role model, your life and walk will never be the same again. Let's close our eyes and as we pray. Father, I thank you this morning, O oh God. Lord, the word that I shared with your people, Lord, today, I know you're maturing each one of us. And Father, it's easy to preach this word, but Lord, unless you change our heart, we can't live this word, Lord. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that every individual who have heard this word, O oh God, that our lives will never be the same again and that this word will take grip upon our hearts and will produce a harvest for which you have sent this word. I thank you once again, Lord. I bless your body in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you Amen. so much. Dear Isn't Pastor. that amazing?